few verses tonight, beginning in verse number 6. And you all have to forgive me tonight. I went, went to put my tie on this evening, and my neck of my shirt has shrunk. And uh, I cannot button it, and it's driving me nuts here. So I'm going to loosen my tie a little bit, <clears throat> get a little better wind, so when we get to preaching real heavy here in just a few moments, uh, we'll have plenty of uh, air coming in the lungs, all right? Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. We'll begin in verse number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, you know what? Let's, I'll tell you, let's back up. It's only a few verses to start at the beginning. And we'll read down through verse 11. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For, which, uh, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. For we which live, excuse me, are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Father, we come to you one more time. I ask that you bless the preaching. Lord, control my thoughts and the heart of this truth. Lord, I pray that you would allow it to come forth clearly and decisively. There would be something in our hearts that will make a difference and encourage us along the way. In the difficult times and the days where many times it seems like there uh, is nothing going well, I pray that you would help us to remember this truth from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's no doubt in our lifetimes that there are a lot of things that happen that we look at and we think, boy, these are not really the best of times. Uh, we are fraught with uh, trials along the way. And uh, it seems like the older we get, sometimes the more heartache there is to life. Uh, in fact, there's such a heartache in life anymore that a lot of people who do not have the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ in their hearts, they've never trusted Christ as their Savior. And sad to say, even some Christians that cannot understand or fathom the love and the comfort of the Lord Jesus Christ consider ending their lives due to the trials and the troubles that come into their way. And the truth of the matter is, if we were to go around the room tonight, a lot of us could give testimony of things, some of them very dear and personal, and things that many times a lot of people don't know about. Paul has been through the, the, the ringer, if you will, I guess would be the best way to put it. He has received a lot of criticism. A lot of people were 
questioning his integrity. They were questioning his apostleship and uh, his uh, credibility in the things that he was saying and writing uh, to the churches. He was being criticized an awful lot. Uh, he was criticized for his plainness of speech. And uh, I, I think that you know the Bible refers to it and uses that phrase, his plainness of speech. And I wonder often if that uh, entailed uh, just his simplicity of speech or the poorness with which he was able to speak. I, I tend to think it's probably more the simplicity of his speech uh, because he was so well-educated. Uh, I don't think that it would have had to do with the grammatical structure, but or it could have had to do with his delivery itself. Perhaps there was some debilitating disease or something he had that caused his uh, his speaking to be not very appealing. But suffice to say, he was being criticized greatly for the things that he was saying in his plainness of speech. Uh, there was even some criticism as to his appearance. Uh, we have a couple of scriptures in several places in the New Testament that give us the idea that the Apostle Paul was probably not one of the most uh, handsome fellas or best-looking fellas. Uh, we get a lot of folks today in, in our these big mega churches, and uh, boy, they get their hair just right, and boy, I wish I had that problem. And they get the, these suits, you know, and they get uh, the nice cars and the $56 million jets and the mansion homes. And, I mean, their life looks glamorous. And people are attracted to that. But, you know, the Bible says in, in Isaiah chapter 53 that even our Lord Jesus Christ, it talks about His comeliness. And there was no beauty in Him that we should desire Him. And uh, so I will say this, that the Apostle Paul was going through some really difficult times. He had been persecuted greatly had been beaten, uh, he had been in shipwrecks, uh, he had been in places where his life was in peril. Now, I don't know if any of us here today, there may be, maybe I don't know everybody's background here intimately, uh, but I don't know too many folks in our church that would have had the things that Paul had happened to him uh, that certainly could have been very discouraging. And even to the point where perhaps Paul could have easily given up on God or could have gotten bitter at God, perhaps. Uh, I don't know what, what has happened in your life, but I know that all of us go through these. All of, us, all of us go through some very deep battles. And when persecution comes, especially, uh, beyond just circumstances being bad, when people begin to ridicule and to say mean things and degrade us and try to belittle us, there's a natural tendency that we have to defend ourselves and uh, to try to strike back or to try to put, and I, I hate to bring this up or say it, it really is not a soapbox issue with me, but it's amazing to me how many times uh, the things that Christian folks post on the Internet do not bring any glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Even if they're true, they do not glorify God. And it's amazing to me how often we try to give a defense of ourselves. We get to this passage of Scripture, and we find something very unique about this. And, and, and this is interesting to me about the Christian life. I've, I've thought about it for years. How opposite the truth of Scripture is to man's logic, man's philosophy of life. Uh, it's amazing. You get to the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus starts turning the world upside down when it comes to philosophies. 
He talks about uh, blessed are the meek, you know, instead of those that are the great ones. Uh, he talks uh, about those that are poor, those that are needy. And uh, he talks about to his disciples, those that will be greatest in the kingdom of heaven will be the least on earth. Uh, and, and so we find that there's a, uh, a, a kind of a, an opposition, if you will, to the teaching of Scripture. And you can pretty much take the world's philosophy and the world's teaching about anything and turn it 180 degrees around and you'll have what the Bible says about it. And we ought not be surprised by that because the Bible says that the world is at enmity with God. It's the exact opposite of Him. They're at war with Him. They're battling Him. And it's interesting how often man thinks one way and the old flesh nature gravitates that way. And yet the Bible teaches something completely different, doesn't it? A man who's lost, or let's call him the natural man tonight. Can we use that term? That's a Bible term. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And we're speaking here of a man who is lost. And uh, let us uh, I'm going to include in that tonight, if you'll forgive me for allowing us to have just one term for it, but uh, let's include also a carnal Christian. Can we do that? Uh, I'm just going to call him the natural man. Granted, the carnal Christian is a saved man, but uh, let's, let's just put those two together for sake of time and, and ease of, of discussion this evening. And uh, the natural man, and then we're going to call the, the other person the saved man. But it's interesting to me that when a natural man goes through trials in life, the first thing, especially if it deals with persecution and people outwardly affecting them, one of the first things and first instincts that we have naturally is to, under the old flesh and the old nature, is to defend ourselves or to strike back. And uh, years ago we had a little joke that we would say sometimes whenever someone was getting ready to try to pull a prank on us or something, we would warn them kiddingly that uh, just remember now, uh, I don't get even, I get ahead. And the idea being if you trick me, if you do something to me, I'm going to do that and more to you. And the truth of the matter is, that's, that's pretty worldly philosophy, isn't it? That's, that's what a natural man would do. But when we get saved, there's something new inside of us that changes. We talked a little bit about that Sunday. And this new thing that now changes, that's made alive inside of us, it sees things differently, doesn't it? Have you ever thought about this? Our purpose is to glorify God with our lives, is it not? That's why he put us here on this earth, to glorify him. Now, you can sum that up in, in, in that statement, and everything else falls underneath that. Uh, winning people to Christ glorifies Christ, right? So we can still say that is true, that we are here to glorify Christ. Uh, the Bible says in the book of John, Herein is my Father glorified, in that you bear much fruit. And so we know that uh, bearing fruit is glorifying God. Uh, we know that the fruit of the Spirit will glorify God. And uh, living a life that is pleasing and holy to him. We know that a, uh, a devotion time in our prayer clauses, uh, in, uh, in uh, the time that we spend walking with Him, glorifies Him. We know that our worship glorifies God. We took some time tonight to take some praises and uh, to thank God for some things that He's done good for us. And that brings glory to God. Uh, when we share uh, to a lost world the things that God has done in our lives, that brings glory to God. But can I submit to you something tonight that many times a lot of Christians don't look at? One of the greatest times and probably one of the most effective ways to glorify God to a world that is lost is if we can glorify Him 
through the valley. If when the trial comes and the persecution comes, we can glorify God. Have you ever thought about this for a minute? If the vessel is able to come through and defend itself through the trial, then the focus is on the vessel. Boy, how strong that vessel was. How, uh, how much that vessel withstood during the trial. But the truth of the matter is, we're nothing but, the Bible even spoke of it here, earthen vessels. And uh, we're nothing more than just a clay pot in the Master's hand. And so we don't want people to look at the vessel, do we? We want to be filled, that vessel needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and we want men to see what? Not the vessel, we want him to see what? We want to see God, do we not? So have you ever thought about this, that the trial is one of the greatest opportunities to glorify God through the valley? And we can even give thanks for the trial because it gives us an opportunity to glorify Him. Paul certainly understood this. The vessel is not the one that's the important thing. It's what's in the vessel, the the God that fills the vessel. Would you agree with me on that tonight? The truth is some of the greatest heroes of Scripture that we read about uh, were were just human, weren't they? They were imperfect. I'm glad that God uses imperfect things. I mean, think about Abraham. You know, this is the, the, the father of his chosen people, the whole nation of Israel, beginning with Abraham. And yet, even he doubted God uh, when it came to his firstborn child, didn't he? And uh, wondering if God was ever going to give him his firstborn son. Think of, uh, uh, think of uh, Moses, the great leader. Boy, I'll tell you what, Moses was a great man. And yet, uh, even he disobeyed God, didn't he? Think of David, a man after God's own heart. And yet, even he committed adultery and murder. I'll tell you, you go on and on. You think of Peter tonight. Think of Peter. One of the inner three. One of the ones that laid on the breast of Jesus. And yet, he denied him three times. I'll tell you, if, if, if these are the heroes of the faith, then what chance do I have? What chance do you have? We're nothing but earthen vessels, aren't we? And so what do we do when the trials come, when the persecutions come? Can I tell you this? We ought to glorify God in it. You say, well, Brother Greg, you just don't understand all that I've been through. Oh, yeah, I, I, think, I think I understand a little. I think there's been heartache. Maybe it's a different kind of heartache. But I've lost family members. I've had heartache in my life. And can I tell you this? It is not easy to glorify God during those times. In fact, it's, it's pretty tempting. The old nature tries to rear its ugly head up at us, doesn't it? And tries to get us to do some things. But I want us to look at what the Bible says here tonight. And I said all that by way of introduction. Because I want us to see the need here to glorify God through the trials. Glorify God through the trials. Look with me, if you will, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. And I want you to see something here in verse number 26. And hold your place here because we're going to be right back to this passage here in just a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Beginning in verse number 26, Paul writes, for you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, 
Not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no, what's the next word here? Flesh should what? Glory. No vessels to glory. No flesh here is to glory in His presence. Well, if the flesh is not supposed to glory, if that earthen vessel that He's put His glory into is not supposed to glory in and of itself, then who is supposed to glory or what are we supposed to glory in? Look with me in Second Corinthians chapter number 12. Second Corinthians chapter 12. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I have many of those, but this is one that I hold dear to and think of often in my life. In verse number 7, Paul says this, Unless I should be exalted above measure. I want you to notice that phrase because he's going to make this statement twice. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations... There was given me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, I just want to stop there for a minute because this tells us why God allows the trials to come into our lives. So that the vessel does not glory in itself, but so that he can have his strength perfected in us and he can get glory. That's pretty amazing. If my purpose is to glorify Him, then when the trials come, if that's what brings glory to Him, is my, my, my response to that, my living the way that I ought to live through that, then should I not then rejoice in the trials that come? Shouldn't it bring joy to my heart? Look what Paul says here. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. And by the way, let me just say this. I don't care what trial there is that comes to your life. His grace will always be sufficient. We may not think it will be while we're going through it, but it is always sufficient. He says, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made what? Perfect in weakness. God's strength in you can be made perfect in the trial. God's strength is able to come into your life in a way that it could not come any other way when the trial happens in your life. Ought that be enough cause to rejoice in the trial? Ought that be enough in a Christian's life to say, Lord, thank you so much for that? Most gladly, he says, therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What is Paul glorying herein? Look what he says in verse 10. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Is that Paul's strength that he's talking about there? No. God's strength that was made perfect in him through the valley. Those of you that have been there, and I think all of us could say this tonight, those of us that have been there, there have been some valleys that we did not think we could make it through. And yet here we are today and we can give testimony and glorify God 
for the strength he gave us to get through the valley unscathed and even many times stronger on the other side and drawn closer to him in our walk with him on the other side. Therefore, we don't glory in us, but we glory in him. Now look at three things I want you to see from this and we're going to be done. First of all, I want you to realize that trials do not bring destruction in a Christian's life. Look with me in verse number 8. He says we are troubled on every side. This is one of those things that the Clarks just went through recently. seemed like when one thing happened, they turned around and there was another thing and then another thing. And it seemed like they were reeling about and didn't really know what was happening. They were troubled on every side. But aren't you glad tonight, Clarks, that you can sit there and say, yet not distressed? Amen. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Yes, we wonder about it. We don't understand it. We're questioning it. But we don't despair in it. Why? Because we're glorifying God through the trial. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Aren't you glad that there's a lot of people that can say a lot of things about us but my God is still with me. There's nothing this world can say that would cause Him to forsake me. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Can I tell you this? The trial may come, but it will not bring destruction in your life. We're talking spiritually here because we have an anchor that is unmovable. We have a God that is unchangeable. We have one that we can cling to that even in the point of death, he brings great peace. If you've never had the time to read some of the Fox's Book of Martyrs or some of the Trail of Blood stories of these men and women and even children who gladly, with joy on their, in their hearts and a song on their lips, went to torturous deaths for the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because they could not destroy. Oh, they might destroy the body, but they can never destroy what I have on the inside. Can I tell you this? Trials will not bring destruction. I'm saved tonight. I can hold on to that fact that I am saved, saved, saved. The other night... Uh, one of my kids made the statement gone or something like that and they were emphasizing the word and I thought of a song Miss Evelyn I hadn't heard in years and uh, or love uh, they said the word love that's what it was and the song goes like this we sang it in Sunday school love love L-O-V-E love love boundless and free Jesus left heaven to die on the tree it was love 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 and then the second verse was Gone, gone, G-O-N-E, gone, gone eternally. And then it talks about our sins being gone. Can I tell you this tonight? It does not matter what happens in my life. I am saved, saved, saved. And I'm on my way to heaven. And while trials may come, and it may kick us down, and it may cause us to despair, or it may cause us to be perplexed, but we are not in despair. Because we know that we're still saved and on our way to heaven. And it doesn't matter what the devil does to us. He cannot affect what I have on the inside. Because my Bible says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. 
We may be cast down. We may be persecuted. We may have things that we do not understand. But it does not destroy us. Because we're saved, saved, saved. You say, Brother Greg, what do I do in the trial? Rejoice. Glorify God. You say, but I don't understand it. You don't have to. Glorify Him. You say, but I don't enjoy it. You don't have to. I'm not telling you. You've got to enjoy the trial. We get, to, we get to glory in it. We get to give God the glory through all of it. Why? Because we know that the trials do not bring destruction to us. When we endure through the valley, when we endure through the trial, we bring glory to God. Christ in me, the hope of glory. We get an opportunity to share to the natural man who does not understand these things what a great God we have. Well, we have a wonderful opportunity to glorify God in the trials. Can I tell you this secondly? Trials are for the purpose of perfecting us. Trials are for the purpose of perfecting us. Look with me in verse number 17, if you will. For our light affliction. Now, wait a minute. Hold on a minute. Let's back up a little bit. Verse number 16, for which cause we faint not. Now, Paul is talking about all these things that's happened, or he knows all these things that's happened to him. But through our outer man, though our outer man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, <laughs> really, Paul? This is what you consider being beaten, being persecuted, being thrown into the prison in Philippi? Paul, is this, are, you call that light affliction? You call it light affliction when they stone you to the point of death? That's light affliction? Brother Larry, you talk about bruises. If Paul went to the eye doctor, they'd, they'd wonder what in the world happened to him. Scars from the beatings of the whips. Bruises, broken bones that had mended crookedly because of the stonings he had had. And Paul calls it this light affliction? For which cause we faint not, but through our outer man, though our outer man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a what moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What does it do? It allows us to glorify God more perfectly. It builds it up inside of us. It even says here in verse number 17, Worketh for us a far more exceeding, that's a lot, an eternal weight of glory. We get to glorify God more and more and more. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Can I tell you this? Trials are temporary. You say, Brother Greg, I, I've got something that's debilitating and it's going to be with me the rest of my life, but not for eternity. They're temporary, aren't they? Just a dot on the line of eternity. You say, Brother Greg, you just don't understand. I, I just can't, I can't. Yes, you can. You can glorify God in the trial. Is it easy? No. Is it pleasant? No. But can there be joy in it? Yes. Absolutely there can. There have been times I've gone through valleys that God's grace and comfort 
And faithfulness to me was almost, you could almost reach out and touch it. It was so thick. And while it was not pleasant, boy, I could sure rejoice in it and be thankful for it and glorify Him in it. Trials do not bring destruction. Trials are for the purpose of protection. Spurgeon, or perfection. Spurgeon wrote this. He said, God's choice makes God chosen men. It makes chosen men choice men. God's choice makes chosen men choice men. When God chooses you, you can mark it down, you're going to suffer persecution. But He's got to build you into what He wants you to be. For the purpose of perfection, lastly, I want you to notice that trials bring about transformation. They bring about transformation. Say, Brother Greg, how do you know that? If you've ever been through the trial and come through on the other side, maybe battered, maybe tired, windblown, weary, you look back and you realize that you're a completely different person than you were before the storm. Boy, your perspective is different. You begin to see things through eyes of faith rather than through eyes of man looking at circumstances. No longer do you look at the trial as something that you have to overcome, but something that God gave you the strength to go through. How do we glorify God? Can I tell you one of the greatest opportunities and one of the best and most effective ways is to glorify Him through the trials. There may be more on your way. (laughs) Chances are there is. If God tarries His coming, there will probably be more heartache somewhere along the line. There will probably be more valleys. There will probably be more persecution somewhere along the line. What are you going to do when those times come? I have met people that have been in church for a long length of time that have gone through some of the greatest tragedies and I've seen them come through with the sweetness of Christ lighting up their countenance. It wasn't pleasant. It certainly was not joyful. But they had great peace through it. And then I've seen others that go to church a lot. They attend church. They seemingly have a walk with God. And a little thing may come along their way. And the next thing you know, they are bitter. They've quit on God. And every time that they do, Satan gets another casualty. And the world looks at it and says, well, their God must not have been too strong. He couldn't get them through it. But all the joy and all the testimony of a Christian who comes through the storm and says, what a great God and Savior we have. He brought me through. And I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. Doesn't matter what else happens. Paul called them light afflictions. The worst we've had happen. Just light afflictions. The truth of the matter is, most of us don't even really know what it is yet to suffer for the cause of Christ. We've been inconvenienced. We've had some heartache. But suffering? Most of us have probably not been there. And yet we get the opportunity to glorify Him in every trial, 
and every valley that comes our way. Let me encourage you, because there will come a time, if you're not already there, there will come a time that you're going to have to choose what you're going to do. Are you going to follow what the natural man wants you to do, that old nature, that carnal man that's inside of all of us that rears its ugly head up? Or are we going to do what the Bible says? Are we going to follow the example that Paul gives and rejoice through tribulation? Let's stand together, shall we? Father, we're thankful for your word. I pray that you would help it to instruct and to guide us. Lord, we look for its wisdom in our lives. And I pray that you would help us to purpose in our hearts tonight, before we leave this room, that we would make a covenant with ourselves and with you. That we will honor and glorify you through the trials. That we will remain faithful. We will look for your help and your strength and your guidance to get us through. For, Father, these trials, these burdens, these persecutions will not destroy us. They will bring us to a point of perfection. And they will transform us on the inside. And I pray that you'd help us to rejoice in them, to give thanks for them. Dismiss us now with your blessings, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.